Hello, everyone, and welcome to a somber episode of Life in a Backpack, where we talk about minimalism, traveling the world, and working online. Today is a sad day because I recorded an entire episode on a different topic, only to find out when I went to edit the sound that it had recorded everything through my crappy computer speaker rather than my actual podcasting microphone, and it sounded absolutely terrible. So we're going to try this again with a different topic because I can't possibly talk about that anymore. And that topic is going to be eating while traveling and particularly eating on the cheap. So eating while you're traveling is something that's always kind of a pain in the butt to have to figure out. And it's some it's one of those things where if you don't plan for it properly, you do end up spending a lot of money, right? And you can eat at restaurants and stuff like that. If you're the type of person who has the budget for that, obviously go ahead. Um, but if you're somebody who's going to be traveling long term or even working online and living completely nomadically, then for you, that might not be practical at all. And like, it certainly isn't practical for me. So I just want to talk first a little bit about some of the challenges associated with eating while you're traveling and then some of the, like the strategies that I have to not only keep costs down, but also to keep myself from becoming completely miserable because I'm absolutely starving or don't have anything to eat or because I haven't had anything good to eat in a while. So why is it so hard to eat when you're traveling? So I think there's a couple of factors that go into this. And the first one is definitely a lack of cooking space and or utensils. So if you're the kind of person who primarily stays in hotels, um, perhaps this isn't even a relevant issue to you because you are kind of a higher budget traveler, which is fair enough. But if you stay in hotels occasionally, you know that the kitchen amenities usually aren't extensive, right? Like the most you're going to have is a little kitchenette with a sink and maybe like some sort of stovetop or microwave or something to that effect. And you're definitely not going to have anything nearly close to a full-blown kitchen. And oftentimes even those little kitchenette come with very few utensils, right? So even if in theory you could cook something, you don't necessarily have all the dishes that you need to do that. And then if you're staying in hostels, the situation is a little bit better in the sense that hostels typically have some sort of like kitchen space. Not all of them do. So if you're the type of person that's getting into hosteling for the first time, definitely one of the suggestions I, I would make is to look at whether your hostel has any kitchen facilities. Because even if you're paying a little bit more to stay in a hostel that does have one, you're probably going to see that come out the back end in terms of saving money on the food that you're buying because you don't have to eat out and you don't have to eat as many convenience foods. But even hostel kitchens are highly unpredictable. So when a hostel says that it has a kitchen, that can mean a lot of different things. Like I've seen hostels with some like really decked out kitchens that have more advanced utensils than I have in my home kitchen. And then I've seen hostels where the kitchen is basically just a countertop with a microwave and some dirty forks. So it really depends and you kind of do have to be prepared for, for pretty much anything when you go there. And the other thing is that even if if you're looking at pictures and you can see the kitchen facilities and they're adequate, hostels are the kind of place where, unfortunately, people don't really have incentive to keep dishes as clean as possible. And you do have a lot of people who don't necessarily clean the dishes and or don't clean them properly. And there's also things like, for example, a lack of proper utensils or like one single old beat up pan that a hundred different people want to use because, because the kitchen is really busy in the evenings. So even if they do have a fully decked out 
kitchen facility of some sort. You never know like kind of what level of cleanliness you can expect and what utensils they're going to have and how busy it's going to be and things like that. So hostels can be like preferable to hotels, but certainly they also come with their challenges and definitely volatility in terms of what you can expect at different places. And of course, this gets a little bit better if you're staying in a place that's intended for long-term travelers or intended for digital nomads in particular, or especially like if you're staying in an Airbnb. I know that sometimes I like staying in an Airbnb just because if you have the place to yourself, then there typically also are adequate kitchen facilities. But again, that's something that really is going to take a significant bite out of your budget. So if you're somebody who's looking to travel on a budget, then Airbnbs are going to be a pretty rare luxury. The second issue is that you can't really buy in bulk. So a lot of the budget meals that you might be used to cooking aren't necessarily ones that are viable when you're traveling. So for example, if you make a lot of rice-based meals, then you'll notice that even though you can cook rice, like in theory, if, if let's say the place you're staying at has a pot and a spoon for you to use, but the issue is then that you need to go buy the rice and rice usually comes in like at least one kilogram bags. And that can become very expensive because if you're not staying in one place for an extended period of time, then you need to eat rice very, very aggressively for every meal in order to use up most of the rice that you've purchased, or you need to leave the rice behind, right? So like you could in theory just like throw it into your backpack and bring it with you to the next place that you're going. Or this isn't an issue if you're staying somewhere for like weeks on end. But for most people who hop around either a region or a country or even between countries, buying things in in large quantities that you would normally get at a grocery store isn't necessarily a viable solution, right? Because grocery stores aren't meant for travelers, right? They're meant for people to take stuff home to their kitchen and then be able to put it in their cupboards and use it for an extended period of time. So the concept of a budget meal really kind of takes on a different meaning when you're traveling versus when you're at home because you don't necessarily have all of those same ingredients that are accessible to you. And on on that same note, ingredients themselves aren't necessarily accessible throughout the world, right? So depending on what your diet consists of, it's quite possible that when you go somewhere, either the particular ingredient that you use a lot isn't going to be available at all, and or it's going to be ridiculously expensive. So for example, I'm the kind of person that usually goes to the store and first starts with like buying some basic produce, like root vegetables, legumes, things like that. And when I went to Kazakhstan, I went to the grocery store and not only was the produce section extremely limited, even though I was in a big city for my first stop, but also the produce that did exist was like extremely expensive. Like even the canned stuff was like, wow. So I kind of had to modify my plans pretty quickly because that wasn't something that I really expected when I was going there just because I was in such a big city and I kind of expected there to be a little bit more availability. But I think that just goes to show you that no matter where you are, it you won't necessarily get a consistent supply of ingredients that you're used to. And that's especially true if you're somebody who eats quite a bit of like packaged foods and processed foods and things like that. So if you really like your morning Pop-Tart, then there's a good chance that you may have to physically take the Pop-Tarts with you from home in order to continue having them every morning just because you might be in a place in the world where they don't sell Pop-Tarts, right? Like Pop-Tarts, I don't know this off the top of my head, but I assume that Pop-Tarts aren't sold in every country in the world or like nearly every country in the world. 
So there's that availability, right? The recipes that you normally would make and that are normally very cheap might be very expensive or might not be accessible to you at all. And then the last issue is that you're not necessarily eating on a regular basis, right? So time zones are definitely an issue and your body might have difficulty adjusting to different time zones and adjusting your hunger accordingly, right? So you might not be hungry at 12 noon local time, even if that's your usual habit. And then also if you're in transit, if you're spending all day going from one plane to the next, you don't necessarily have time to sit down and eat. You certainly don't have any time or facilities to sit down and cook. And so you're really just kind of eating on the fly and you're relying on either things that are available to purchase in the immediate area or the things that you have with you. So those are kind of some of the challenges that you might experience just keeping your stomach full while you're on the go. But I do think it's possible to mitigate most of these issues almost entirely. Definitely, it's not realistic to go traveling for a year and expect to never have to pay a little bit of a premium just for convenience when you're starving and things just haven't really gone as planned, right? Things happen, flight delays happen, you can get to your hostel and they have no record of you ever having had a reservation and you need to go find a different place to sleep, things like that. You know, things happen in life and sometimes we just need to roll with the punches, right? But I think in general, there are some basic things you can do to just like keep yourself consistently on budget. And the first thing is the things that you actually carry with you. So if you just carry a backpack the way I do, space is a precious commodity, but I would encourage you to allocate just a little bit of that space to your stomach. And by that, I mean keeping a little bit of food and particularly a water bottle with you. So the water bottle is a pretty obvious one. Like there's no reason why you should pay to drink water in a place where tap water is safe to drink. Tap water is not safe to drink everywhere, but definitely it is in a lot of countries in the world. And in those countries, you can save yourself a lot of money not buying any sort of drinks except water and just continuously refilling your water bottle, right? And if you're active throughout the day, having that water bottle is also a huge lifesaver if you don't necessarily have anything to drink nearby. And just like going to the convenience store, even in countries where it's a bit cheaper to like go get a Coke or an orange juice or even just a bottle of water is something that can really rack up. So that's just like a really basic thing you can do. You don't really even have to think about it. It's it's not that challenging and it'll just like wipe like 10 to 20% off the budget right there. The second thing is to keep food with you. So I always have a stash of food because firstly, I'm quite a spontaneous traveler and it, I know a lot of people prepare for their trips more than I do, but I'm the kind of person who can wake up in the morning and say like, okay, well, I don't have any more nights booked here, so which country am I going to fly to now? And I really enjoy traveling that way. I think it adds a lot of like excitement and spontaneity to it. But with that said, it can leave you in some tricky situations and I've certainly ended up in some iffy situations just kind of not planning ahead properly or like planning ahead the way somebody normally would and having to kind of make decisions on the fly and food was definitely a big part of that so this can be things like for example not where you're going to stay in the evening or just not knowing what food is available in the place that you're going or even not knowing where you're going to end up or just having things go wrong because you didn't necessarily plan for it, right? Um, or like sometimes I've gotten to a place and it's it's just been so expensive that I've had to rely on the food that I've already had with me just in order to like not blow my budget out of the water. 
So a couple of things I normally keep. So I usually keep a couple of packets of ramen because ramen, while not the healthiest and, you know, definitely something that you can get sick of if you eat too much of it, is really lightweight. So it's not like having to carry, for example, rice in your backpack, which just like is really, really heavy, right? Ramen weighs hardly anything. So just to have a couple of packets of that at the bottom of your backpack is really helpful. I've definitely gotten to places late at night when like every Everything was closed and I've had to rely on that packet of ramen just to like help me not go to sleep with an empty stomach. So for example, at one point I was traveling in Luxembourg and I was staying in this hostel that was like a little bit away from the main town and I was relying on the bus service and what I didn't realize was that the counter of the hostel closes at night. And it was like pretty late already by the time I got there. And I just figured, okay, well, I'll just go down to the hostel because I know they have a snack bar and I'll buy some stuff there and I'll just like live off of that. And then when I got downstairs, I realized that, oh crap, they don't have any 24-hour staff and I don't have any access to the snacks that are sitting at the window right here in front of me. And by that time, there was a very limited bus service. So I could have just risked it and taken a bus that would come like once every 90 minutes and gone to the town and hoped and prayed that there would still be a bus to get me back to where my hostel was. But I didn't want to take that risk either, nor did I want to stand there for an hour and a half waiting for the bus. So I went to bed extremely hungry that night. It was like the hungriest that I've ever been because I had not eaten all day. And I was really counting on there being some food in the area there. I didn't even realize how out there the hostel was actually going to be until I got there. So obviously that was like very poor planning on my part, but that episode really taught me to always have something with you. And so yeah, like my the the ramen that I carry has just saved me so many times. And the other great thing about ramen is that you can buy it pretty much anywhere in the world. So if you need to replenish your stockpile, I usually carry about like three or four packages with me and you can yeah, you can buy it pretty much anywhere in case you need more. This also helped me. I at one point went somewhere really expensive. So I had flown into Abu Dhabi just for a layover and I was staying in this hotel, which was fair enough. I had already budgeted for that, but I wasn't really planning on staying there for an extended period of time. And food in Abu Dhabi is is quite expensive and it was so hot as well that I didn't want to go outside because it was the middle of summer. So I actually lived on ramen for that entire 36-hour layover until I could get out and get some cheaper food in a place with an appropriate temperature. And so that's just another one of those things. If you're in a place temporarily where food is really expensive and you know you're going to go somewhere else, then just relying on that to keep your budget down for like one meal a day is something that's really helpful. The other thing that I always carry with me is little packets of coffee and tea. Again, these weigh pretty much nothing, and I just put it in, like, the top compartment of my bag usually. And so if you're, like, waking up for a really early flight and nothing's really open yet, and you're the kind of person who enjoys drinking coffee, then that coffee can also just, like, really be a lifesaver because it gives you the energy and the willpower to go to the airport for, like, a 6 a.m. Ryanair flight. And just like makes you a lot less miserable. And these packets, it's just like a dried powder. Most people are familiar with it. But if you're not, it's just like a little packet that weighs like 10 grams or something like that. And you just stir it into hot water and it makes you 
basically an instant, like a flavored instant coffee. And then the same thing with tea. So a lot of hostels have tea. So I take the opportunity to stock up on a couple of tea bags. I, I drink a lot of tea and I also kind of like to collect the different flavors and stuff. But that's another thing. That's to me more of an evening drink, but to just have that in my back pocket so that you know, in the evening, if I need something to drink and everything's closed, or if I don't want to go out, all I really need to do is to find some hot water or some cold water and a microwave, and I can make myself a cup of tea. And then I also usually carry some sort of snack with me. So I like those snack size packets of nuts, for example, because they have a lot of calories and they have some fat in them and they're salty and they're like satisfying. So it's not the kind of thing where you're going to be hungry in an hour. And if you're at like, for example, a small crappy airport waiting for like a crappy budget flight and there's not really a lot to eat or it's like wildly overpriced and you're hungry because it's delayed or or whatever might have happened, then a package of nuts is it, it really hits the spot because it keeps you full and it gets you to where you're going. So those are just kind of the things that I personally like to keep in my backpack and just keeping those have had a really a big effect not only on budget but also on levels of misery right like there's absolutely nothing worse than being hungry when you're trying to get somewhere and you're already stressed trying to figure things out another thing you can do if you're a hosteler in particular this won't work very well if you're staying in hotels or if you're staying in airbnbs but a hostel that has a kitchen most often also has some food in the cupboard somewhere that's a little bit sketchy, but probably still edible. Or some of them will actually have communal bins of food that other people have left behind. So when you're checking in, a really good idea is to ask them like, hey, do you have any like bags of rice or like flour that I can use? Do you have like a communal bin in your kitchen? Or to just like look through the cupboards and see if there's anything anyone has left behind. Just keep in mind though, those things like, for example, a bag of flour probably doesn't belong to anybody, but just make sure that the food isn't labeled before you take it because if you eat somebody's pasta, they're probably not going to be very happy with you. I've made that mistake before of like eating somebody else's stuff and it was fine. I reimbursed them. They went out and bought a new one, but still like it's, it's, you know, not ideal. So just make sure you're not taking things that belong to other people and also make sure you're taking things that are edible, right? So this is especially for the fridge. Um, if you find carrots that are already starting to turn into a gel, you know, probably the carrots are too old. So like, yeah, just exercise basic common sense. Some things in hostel kitchens are less than pleasant and probably not something you want to be putting into your mouth. But typically what hostels will have in terms of food, sometimes they'll even stock it themselves, is things like flours to make something like pancakes, things like dried pasta. Sometimes they'll have like a cereal or a rice, really just anything that somebody has eaten and left behind or some basics that they have themselves. Or if the hostel has a breakfast, sometimes you can even ask them like, hey, if I give you five bucks, can I use some of the pantry items that you have? And not all of the hostels will agree to that, but some of them are happy to make a little bit of extra money in exchange for a bit of flour or a bit of pasta or a bit of cereal or something like that. And along the lines of hostels having food, so hostels will oftentimes have a breakfast. And I think especially if you can get it for a similar price range as a hostel that doesn't, this is also something that can save you significant money. Or if the hostel has like a buffet breakfast, it's 
kind of a crapshoot as to whether it's worth paying for it. I think in general it's not worth it, mostly because I can't stuff my face with so much food that it's worth it. And I usually find that just like buying some cheap food somewhere is is still something that's going to go further. But if there is an included breakfast, you know, then set your alarm so that you don't miss the breakfast and eat a little bit more so that you have some some food in your stomach and you don't get too, too hungry later on because that is food that's oftentimes relatively healthy. And if you can go from having to pay for three meals a day to having to pay for like one and a half meals a day, like maybe a small lunch and then a dinner, that's something that can really have a big impact as well. I would say that in and of itself, you know, can definitely be 10% of your travel budget depending on what your what your eating habits are. So with that in mind, what do you actually eat? So I think that before thinking about what you're actually going to eat when you travel and what you actually want to cook, it's important to keep in mind that food is not just a practical thing, right? Like it's not just we put any sort of food into our system and then it's it's purely for the purposes of fueling our body, right? Like food is something that we all have to some degree some sort of emotional attachment to, right? And to eat food that is like foreign is definitely something that can be like really exciting but it's important to keep in mind that food may also represent comfort to you and in particular when we're traveling sometimes there's a lot of things going on at once right so your environment is unfamiliar and it's changing a lot of the time you don't necessarily have your consistent living space with your living room and your kitchen and your home bed and your social circle that's always there with you right and so you're losing a lot of the kind of psychological support networks and a lot of the stability that you have and to have a few comfort foods in in your back pocket I think is really helpful just to kind of like orient yourself especially on a really slow day so that you can just kind of like get a sense of home and especially if you're the kind of person who gets really homesick when you're traveling or gets this just like vague sort of sense of anxiety when you haven't been in a familiar and stable place for a long time. I think just having a couple of comfort foods that you can turn to at any point in time is something that's really helpful. And it's even better than I think even if you can find a comfort food that's relatively ubiquitous throughout the world. So I know that one that I often turn to when I'm traveling is just like some sort of generic fried Asian noodle, like either like some sort of like chow mein style thing or just like some sort of like noodles with tofu and vegetables mixed in or something like that. That's something that you can find pretty much anywhere in the world. And it's like a long time comfort food for me. So when I'm in an unfamiliar place and I'm just like having a rough day in particular, or if I have some extra time, I'll go and seek out that comfort food, like often in the form of street food, or if I'm ordering in or something like that. And that just kind of gives me a few hours to myself. I've already mentioned tea. Like I'm the kind of person who really likes tea and it's something that's also very comforting to me. So once in a while, I'll take the opportunity to just eat that eat that familiar comfort food and just like have a slow evening and stay in my accommodation, like usually a hostel is, is what I stay in most of the time. And just kind of like get my bearings and reorient myself and like watch Netflix and eat comfortable food, right? So that's just kind of a hidden utility that that I think food has in the context of traveling and and just in, in, in terms of psychological well-being. And to that point as well, I think 
when you're thinking about what you're going to eat when you travel, it's also a good idea to be eating some of these foods already on a regular basis. Because if you just have your travel diet and your regular diet and you've never cooked these meals before and you've never used these ingredients before and you may or may not like it and they're not things that are familiar and comfortable to you, then that's not a diet that's going to be sustainable really everywhere, right? That's just like changing your diet and, and turning it on its head overnight when you're living at home, right? That's probably not something that you'd be able to stick to for a long time either. And traveling is really no exception to that. But I do think it's worth creating a list of foods that you're familiar with and that you eat on a regular basis that meet a few criteria. So firstly, it's good to have a few things to eat that have relatively generic ingredients, right? So generic ingredients are just ingredients that are going to be available pretty much everywhere. So things like potatoes are pretty much available everywhere. Rice, just general like fruits and vegetables and canned foods. Those are things that you're going to be able to find pretty much everywhere, right? And then also things that are cheap. So, I mean, there's some variation in what's cheap in some places. So for example, tropical fruits are dirt cheap in tropical places. But if you go to more polar regions, those are going to be really, really expensive. But a lot of foods are generally like relatively cheap throughout the world. And in particular, foods that aren't packaged and aren't like heavily marketed are generally always going to be cheaper than like packaged foods like pizza pops, for example, right? So things like bananas or potatoes, like you're never going to break your budget by eating too many potatoes because they're just like ridiculously expensive where you're going. And then also foods that you can make with relatively few utensils. Um, so for example, like if you're making like fried potatoes in a pan, right? Like all you really need is a pan and a fork to like stir the potatoes around a little bit. And also recipes that have relatively few ingredients and ingredients that you could use up all of. So for example, a potato dish is probably preferable to a rice dish just because the rice, again, you have to buy that whole package of rice. Whereas like you can use a bag of little potatoes all in one sitting if you want to. And that seems like kind of a daunting list to have something that's quick and that you can use all of the ingredients and that doesn't have too many ingredients and that's relatively cheap and the ingredients are, are almost universally available. But in my experience, just having like three or four different styles of dishes that you have in your back pocket to be able to turn to, I think that like reduces 90% of the stress surrounding food because you're always going to like spontaneously find things that you want to try out or sometimes you're going to eat out. But just to have that like core, like four or five different types of dishes that you make is, is going to get you most of the way there. So some things, for example, that I like to eat. So the main thing that I eat is usually like some sort of vegetables plus oil. So I just like go to the store and find whatever is cheap. So let's say like carrots and, and beets and potatoes. And then like sometimes I buy tofu just because it has some like more mineral content and it has some protein. And I just kind of like fry that up in a pan with oil. And that's something that is very versatile in the sense that you can choose pretty much like whatever vegetables you want. And usually hostels ha will have oil and like a little bit of salt and pepper that you can already use. So that's not something you need to worry about purchasing in most places. 
And it's just like very quick to make and it's very healthy. And to me, it's also like like very comfortable food. Like for example, I love like potatoes and sweet potatoes, right? Those are foods that are very familiar to me and, and that are very comfortable and that I know how to make. And they also happen to be things that you can find pretty much everywhere. Um, so one of the things, for example, that I'll sometimes make is just a sweet potato in a microwave. And like, this might sound weird and it's totally fine if you think this is like horrible, but so basically if you put a sweet potato in a microwave and microwave it for a couple of minutes, the sweet potato will be soft, just like it would be if you were to bake it or if you were to boil it. And you can actually like eat just the sweet potato on its own. So if I'm in a place where sweet potatoes are pretty cheap and pretty accessible, I'll usually just like buy a bag of sweet potatoes and then I'll put a sweet potato in the microwave on its own and I'll just munch on the sweet potato. So again, that might be a bit weird to you. That's totally fine. But just have your own version of that, right? So another thing that I really like to do is I usually buy some sort of bag of fruit that I just eat throughout the day. So for example, I love nectarines. So I'll just, if nectarines are cheap, I'll buy a whole bag of that and just eat them. Bananas are oftentimes very cheap, especially in North America and Europe. So I'll just buy like a whole bunch of bananas. But really any foods that you like and that are familiar to you and that take little or no preparation and you don't need like 20 ingredients in order to make a meal out of it works really well. The other thing that I like to do is make sandwiches. So I think the advantage of sandwiches is that they're very self-containing. So if you just like buy a bag of sandwich bread and you like pre-make the sandwiches, so you put like whatever ingredients you want and you put the sandwiches back into the sandwich bag, then you basically have this bag of like half a dozen sandwiches or, or, you know, probably a few more depending on how big the loaf is and you can just go in and like get another sandwich whenever you want one right and again this is something that like requires pretty much no utensils you can make it in a hotel room you can make it like on I don't recommend making your sandwiches on the bus because it's not very clean but you can make it on the bus if if you're really really hungry and it's something that you can take with you because sandwiches also don't have any sort of liquid component to them. So you can also take it through airport security and they're not that heavy. So you can put it in your backpack or just carry it in your hand. So that's another thing that I really like eating. Another thing is pasta. So pasta is a two ingredient thing. So you basically just need like the dried noodles and the sauce. If you're going to eat pasta, do make sure that at the very least you have the ability to boil some water. Um, I have made pasta in a kettle and I can confirm that it's possible to do this, although I wouldn't recommend it as a first resort. But if you want to get creative, sometimes there's ways to get around your utensil related limitations. And then pasta is also that you can really dress up to make it a lot healthier. So if you have a little bit of extra time you can throw the pasta into a pan and you can add like for example some bell pepper and some tomato to it or really anything you want to add to to it in terms of vegetables just to like make it a little bit healthier and but yeah like just some like dried pasta tomato sauce and a couple of vegetables to throw in that makes for a really healthy meal and then also like canned foods so for example i really like canned beans 
again, this is just like me being a little bit weird in the foods I like, but I can just like eat a can of black beans just as is. Or I really like beans on toast, which again, you can use the sandwich bread for. And it's very self-contained, right? Like you won't have a ton of extra ingredients left over afterwards. And beans are like very healthy. They have some protein. They have a lot of micronutrients. So that's another thing that I like. And then other things that are canned, for example, like canned peas and carrots. So if you open up the can of peas and carrots and then you just like put a little bit of like butter or margarine in and then just like cook it in the microwave for like a minute or two, then it gets you like basically like peas and carrots and it's like a little bit salty and a little bit buttery. And I find that makes like a really good meal. But again, like these are just like my ideas. And over time, you'll acquaint yourself with some meals that you really enjoy and that you really turn to. But before you go on a trip, just figure out what it is that you like to eat that is self-contained and cheap and pretty much easy to access everywhere. Because just having like three or four things to turn to when you're really tired and you don't really want to have to think about what to eat can be really immensely helpful. And then lastly, in terms of eating out. So... I personally, if I'm going to be staying somewhere for more than two or three days, I like to find a default street food or just a place around me that's really cheap where I can go to get something something really cheap to eat. Oftentimes it's street food. In some places, street food is associated with digestive distress, as you may have experienced if you've traveled a little bit. But street food is just something that oftentimes is going to be a lot cheaper than in a sit-down restaurant or even a takeout place. So orienting yourself and finding something cheap in the area and then just like eating a lot of that is is a really good tool to have. So for example, when I was in Switzerland, a place which is notoriously expensive and food is no expense is no exception to that, I found a place close to where I was staying that coincidentally had a cart that made fried noodles, which is my favorite. So that was a really great one because it was literally like two bucks for a carton of noodles. And it was probably not the healthiest week I've ever had, but in a place like Switzerland where food is relatively expensive and where I was trying to keep expenses down as it was, that was something that was really helpful to my budget that week. And of course, it was very enjoyable to me. Or when I was in Turkey, I ate a lot of the grilled corn that they sell on the street. So if you've never been to Turkey before, basically they have like a bazillion vendors on like the main streets of Istanbul. And they basically sell this like like charred corn, like it's like almost black when you get it, which I assure you makes it better. And then they put salt on it and it's just like the most amazing food I have ever tried in my life, which by happy coincidence was also incredibly cheap. So I ate basically one cob of corn after the other when I was in Turkey and I was a very happy camper. But wherever you are, there's always one main sort of staple food, whether it be street food or something else that is really cheap and that is going to just like leave you in heaven. And so to track that down and find your one or two euro meal wherever you are in the world can not only save you a lot of restaurant money, but it'll also get you immersed a little bit into the local cuisine and and what's eaten in that area, right? Another thing you can do is just ask your ask the person at your hotel or hostel reception desk, like, are there any cheap eats around here? Just be cognizant of the fact that they may have been paid to promote particular places that are nearby because a lot of people ask that question. But another good way to frame that question is like, 
what's the what's like the price range of a cheap dish around here and then just like hitting the bottom of that price range so if they say it's like five to ten euros usually i find that the actual low end price range is usually around like the four euro mark so just like asking it that way instead of asking for a particular place or like sometimes they genuinely will have some good ideas right so for example i went to one hostel and they were like oh my god there's this like sandwich place close to here and they make the absolute cheapest sandwiches and sure enough they did make like really really incredibly cheap sandwiches and it was like in this really sketchy place it was like in the basement of this little mini mall and yeah like I'm not sure what their like food safety standards were like but definitely it they were right like it was cheap and you could just like eat one sandwich after another for a couple of bucks so that was really helpful. And then the last thing you can do if you're really tired and you want to order in is some delivery companies have like first time order promos. So if you're in a place where you've never been and that region has a food delivery app that you've probably never used, then you might also be able to take advantage of a first time order promo, right? So that'll usually get you like either five bucks or 10 bucks off or like 50% off or something like that. And it can just be a way to keep the cost of, of ordering in down if that's something that you want to do on occasion. I personally don't like ordering delivery just because it, it, first of all, it is expensive and I've pretty much used most of the first time promos at this point. So there aren't too, too many that, that are accessible to me anymore. And then also because a lot of these apps will only be available in the local language. So it's oftentimes just easier to go out into the world and look at things, even if you're a little bit tired and try and find yourself some food on the street than it is to try and order in and try to navigate that that language barrier, right? Um, unfortunately, some things just like, presumably if you're listening to this podcast, then at the very least you speak English. And so not all apps have an English language function or like have any other language options. And I actually find like, it's not too, too difficult to order food just because it's pretty self-explanatory. Like this is the restaurant, this is how much it costs. This is a picture of the food. Do you want this food? And, you know, like it, it's it's just like a pretty standard method of ordering. But that is something to be aware of if, you're, if your plan is to order food on a regular basis is that you might have to navigate foreign languages as you do so, which is fair enough, right? It's part of the travel experience. And then lastly, just in terms of numbers, so like what you can actually expect to spend on food. So I tend to stay on the stricter end of this. I really try to hit a food budget of about 10 US dollars per day, sometimes 15, depending on where I am. But I will add a couple of caveats to that. So first of all, I think like the 10 to $20 range is definitely a healthy place for your for your food budget to be. And in some more expensive places in the world, like $10 just might be completely unrealistic. And I, I totally acknowledge that. This is just kind of an average of, of having traveled in various regions and stuff like that, right? But definitely if I'm in London, then $10 per day, 10 US dollars per day on food is, is definitely pretty tight. And you won't starve, but you're also going to be pretty miserable just eating beans every single day on repeat, right? And then a couple of other caveats. So my food budget doesn't include things like clubbing. I, I put that in a separate place in my budget. Um, so it doesn't include like, you know, like alcohol in particular. It it only includes 
basically eating out and and the things that I cook. And then also I haven't included the cost of breakfast at a hostel unless I'm paying for it separately. So usually I, I just categorize that under accommodation expenses. So I oftentimes stay in hostels and usually I'll try and hit a hostel that does have breakfast and I'll really try and load up on breakfast and eat like an extra bowl of cereal. And that's definitely where a lot of a, a lot of my food budget gets cut down. So realistically, I'm looking at a two meal a day budget, which for me, yeah, like the 10 to $20 range, I find to be pretty comfortable. I'm not telling you how much to spend on food. If you're the kind of person who really prioritizes it or just has a higher budget than I do, then more power to you. This is only to make the point that it certainly is possible to travel on that kind of budget. So I hope that gives you kind of a general overview. I hope to cover this topic in in more episodes from different angles, but hopefully this just gives you an idea of how you might save money and the kind of conditions that you can expect if you've never really traveled long term before and how you can go about budgeting around food a little bit because it really is a major expense. And if that's an expense that you can get down, I think three things. So transportation, food, and accommodation. If you can minimize those three things, then you've really blown up your travel budget quite substantially. So hopefully this was helpful to you and we'll see you again in the next episode.